Hello and welcome to Movie Autopsy. I'm Paul Culliver. I'm Anthony McCormack and I'm excited to see this movie today, Paul. It's a Tim Burton movie and he's going back to his Ed Wood roots. Is it another movie about a reanimated corpse? No, no, Paul. You're thinking of Dumbo. That's yet to come out. Are you sure it's a Tim Burton? I can't see Johnny Depp or Helena Bottom Carter on the cast list anywhere. Anyway, the movie is... Big Eyes. Anthony, my, what big eyes you have. Why, thank you, Paul. (laughs) They're good for watching movies with. Yeah, what movies have you seen recently? Big eyes. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Very appropriate. Uh, I uh, I didn't even know this movie was coming out. This has blindsided me. Pardon the pun. I got got really excited when you said that because I thought to myself, oh, good, he hasn't seen the trailer. Which, can we whack up front? If you haven't seen the trailer, don't be afraid to skip the trailer. Yeah. Because it does give away a lot. And and it, it doesn't necessarily kill the movie dead in the water for you, but I feel like you get a lot more out of the movie not knowing... Where it's going to go. So, I've, I've actually seen a TV spot since watching the film. And even in that TV spot, it's basically the f- whole film. Yeah. And it's like, it's got the, the the setting on the fire and the thing and the whatever. And it's all like, hey, what are you doing? And I feel there's, there is, there's a lot to this movie that I ate up with a spoon. Mm. Which I tend to do a lot when you I go to the movies. <laughs> They, I don't know why they keep having me back. I keep eating everything up with a big spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes Anthony with his spoon again. It's, yeah. Um, where uh, it's not necessarily it the the destination. It's the it's the journey. It's the journey. Yeah. And this, I mean, it looks incredible. The movie. Yeah. It, it's. I, I don't. When's when, when's the last time Tim Burton has done a live action? Um. Oh, a live action. Or, or was it the, he's done Alice in Wonderland? That was oh, that's true. That was live action. I guess it's probably this is the most realistic because that was like a hyper color, hyper reality kind of um, movie. You know what I mean? Like it almost yeah. felt like it wasn't live action in the way that it had been shot and CGI'd and all that sort of thing. I I think there was a college humor video and and they did it very well. Which is basically the Tim Burton creative process, mm. and <laughs> it goes through all of the stereotypical things about Tim Burton. You've got uh, a story that already exists, but we're gonna we're gonna do a creepy version of yeah. it. Uh, you've got Danny Elfman in the corner coming up with the theme, and the themes all like boom, 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 boom. And um, but what this was a a reversal in a lot of ways. Number one, you were, you said at the front, uh, Johnny Depp's not in it. Helena Bonham Carter isn't in it. And even in like smaller roles, like you will traditionally see like some some carryabouts that you know Tim Burton says, mm. "Hey, mm. I you know, come, what are you doing on Tuesday? Come be a part of the movie." <laughs> um, this was like I I don't think any of these actors had worked with Tim Burton before, I, and I think that's actually an actual you know. Wink, you know, PR fact. It's a, it's a Bertonissance. It's it is. <laughs> he's re- Every- he's reinventing yeah. himself. Well, because if you look at the last four movies, right, and uh, before big guys, yeah, Frank and Weenie, which I haven't actually seen. Um, Dark Shadows, which I think was uh, Alice in Wonderland I- and Sweeney Todd. 
So yeah. actually, yeah, four. Oh no, sorry, uh, not including Frank and Winnie. Three, three live actions in a row, but obviously very highly stylized sort of things. Yeah, Dark uh, Shadows was an interesting one. Mm. Um, what, now, what is her name? The uh, French actress, Casino Royale, Eva Green. Eva Green. Mm. I thought she was fantastic in that in Dark Shadows. Okay. And the rest of the movie kind of left me a bit limp. Yeah. And it's a spectacular, like, they throw everything at that screen. And and Johnny Depp does this character that I I really wanted to get into, but it kind of felt like a soap opera that where there's no actual opera going on. There's no, you know what I mean? Like, mm. you get to the end and you say, I think there was even a cliffhanger at the end. And you say, I don't care. Was <laughs> 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 oh, that in, like, kind of in uh, as an... Homage to the original uh, run that kind of would be an episodic kind of cliffhanger. Yeah, I I don't know what it was, but I I saw the trailer and I thought, this is going to be a guilty pleasure. This is going to be a movie I love, but I can't tell anyone (laughs) that that I do love. Um, And and I saw it and I I, I don't know if other people had this reaction. It was kind of like you want to get into it. You want to get behind it. It's, it, it felt like ve- a little less substance than we're used to. Okay. A little less. A little less. Ooh. I mean, so, a lot of craft. A lot of craft. So, should we get into Big Eyes? Let's get into Big Eyes. Had some substance. We should say, we're going to talk in, in depth about the movie. Yep. Uh, so, you should have seen the movie. You well, should have seen the movie. Or at least the trailer, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah, which gives so away the movie. You. Tells you the whole thing. So, there's going to be spoilers, but the best way for there to be no spoilers... Is if you've seen the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of... I always enjoy doing... You know the Taken movies? Yeah. I enjoy... I don't do an impression of Liam Neeson. Well, not well anyway, but I do do a good impression of the Taken trailer. Yeah. Which is the, they're coming for you. They've come for you. They're going to take you. They've taken you. I'll find them. I'll kill them. I've killed them. End of film. <laughs> That's the trailer. That's the trailer to Taken. Yeah. And this is, like, coincidentally, also the movie of Taken. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so it is a bit strange when a, when a trailer... I kind of wonder whether, like, Tim Burton or, you know, the creators behind a movie, when they look at the trailer that, like, the studio's going to release, they just go, Ugh, yeah. oh Yeah, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I, I reckon Tim Burton... Because I get the sense, like, if you read a bit of the background behind the film... Uh, I just read this that Tim Burton loves the actual real life artist, and uh, actually commissioned at least one painting, you know, from her that she had not already painted, um, of his once upon a time girlfriend Lisa Marie, um, to be painted in the big eye style. Oh. So I it gets I get the feeling this is a very personal story for him, a la Ed Wood. Where he felt, a, a, you know, a personal... Co- I don't know Tim Burton. I don't know mm. if you know this about me, Paul. But I do get the feeling that, you know, he... he There were aspects to her character that he really identified with. He really adored. He wanted to put up on the screen. Yeah. Um, to, to a certain degree, you would say Alice in Wonderland. Not sure if that's the same personal journey he's going through. <laughs> I well, that's what I'm trying to think. Like, because the whole big eyes thing, surely the artwork of Tim Burton over time, like that's, it's like a bit of a love letter to to Margaret Keane, right? Yeah. Well, this this like it opens up in suburbia. Yeah. And it's almost a, an Edward Scissorhands kind of ha ha ha, you know, take on suburbia. Yeah. But there's something almost grounded about it. Like it's visually brilliant. It's it's incredible. 
Um, but it's it's kind of got just a shade more reality than your typical Tim Burton kind of production design. Yeah, this seems like one of the most like it was one of the things I was really trying to get at. One of the most grounded Tim Burton films, yeah. possibly ever. Yeah, which I think is really interesting that it's. Uh, I guess that's the thing of. I guess whether you wonder whether he was tempted. I'm really curious about how many decisions he made to not be Tim Burton when directing yeah. this film. Yeah. He's like, has he split up with Helen and Bottom Carter? Is that a thing? Oh, I think he has. That's right. True. So it's like, well, that's not going to happen. That's a, it's an awkward phone call to make. Johnny Depp, oh, he's not doing so well at yeah. the moment. He's gotten a bit. He's a bit damaged goods. Not my fault. None of my films. I I remember the story of uh, Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg. And Robert Zemeckis, yeah, Steven Spielberg wanted to make Back to the Future. Yeah. And Robert Zemeckis had done a couple of movies that were good movies. I haven't actually seen them, but they hadn't done very good business. And he said, and I remember hearing this story at the time and and having no. You know, I could not process this story. I could not process how someone would actually think this way. Of course, that's easy to say now that Back to the Future has come out and it was a big, big success. Yeah. Um, But he's saying, if I make this movie and it doesn't do well, I'll never be able to be hired again. Mm. So, we can't do this movie, Steven Spielberg. (laughs) (laughs) And he went off and he he ended up doing another movie that was successful. And then, so, I I don't know if that is what's going on where Johnny Depp rings up Tim Burton and says, you know what, Tim, (laughs) I think I need to go and do a non-Tim Burton movie for, for a minute. Uh, and then when that's successful, I'll co- we'll, co- we'll get back together. And Tim Burton's kind of like, you know, scribbling on his pad where he's written his whole breaking up with Johnny Depp speech. He, he's scrubbing it out going, oh, you know, if if you insist, Johnny, if you, <laughs> yeah. you, know, if, if you think so. Yeah, I think Tim Burton's like, oh, yeah, yeah you need a break from yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so... The- I, I do get excited, having said all that, having made fun of, you know, I do get excited when the pair get together. Mm. Because I a lot of people can get fatigued when Johnny Depp plays. I like that he plays. I, I like seeing actors who don't necessarily... Who could, you know, walk in and read a phone book, and that's interesting mm. in and of itself. I like when they play. Yeah. Now, uh... To the pairing of Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Christoph Waltz as himself in this movie, isn't <laughs> pretty it? Pretty much. Yeah. I am going to paint a painting. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, ever since, uh, if you ever watched SNL 40, the 40th anniversary, someone does a Christoph Waltz. I don't, I can't remember who, da- who did it, but someone did an impression of Christoph Waltz. And it, since that, like, I can't, you now watch Christoph Waltz after having seen that impression. You can't just see all of that. Yeah. You just can't. It's just. <laughs> Hello, I think I will do this. And you're like, okay, obviously my impression terrible, but that's like that cadence of Christoph Waltz is yeah. like it's almost. You know what? I re- he's kind of like the new Connery, the Sean Connery, the Sean Connery. You know how like every like Heart for Red October, whatever it is, Scottish accent, come hello high water. Yep. I think Christoph Waltz is the new, and we just accept it. That's yeah, just, yeah, that, well, every that's character true. that Christoph Waltz plays, he sounds the same. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, but it's wonderful. I, it kind of actually made me wonder, like, how convenient would it have been if, like, the actual guy was just like Christoph Waltz? And they went, you know, who, who we need to play this real life character? Christoph Waltz. It's uncanny. I'm not sure they could have got anyone else to play the role. 
I, like I, I think they were looking at different people. Oh, really? But but to me, what he does really well is he, when Amy Adams meets up with him at the the start of the movie, you say, "Oh, good, I'm excited." You know, even though you've seen the trailer, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, yeah, get you know, get. That's a- why you're excited. You're like, this is really good. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're elbowing the person in the seat next to you. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when he turns bad, and he turns bad in that Christoph Waltz way of yeah. doing it with a smile, you know, yeah. I'm going to do the wrong thing by you, <laughs> and you you eat it oh, up. Like boy. I, he really, you know, I don't know how much of that is in the script and how much of it is. <laughs> Christoph Waltz is here, you know, oh, that's an even better idea. And they cross out pages in the script and <laughs> right, Christoph does his thing. Yeah, I like to think that's what the script was. They didn't even finish it. They just went blah, 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 <laughs> boop, 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 Christoph Waltz. <laughs> um, Amy Adams, I, I thought she was fantastic. She in this. is good. She is. And it's, it's, it is a kind of role with, in lesser hands you could be very uninspired by. Mm. Uh, which is not to say that Margaret Ke- Margaret Keane is incredible, but I mean, you know, I, I've talked about movies in the past where it's it's characters who are put through hell, yeah, and the hell is is always a, a shade more interesting than the character itself because no one actually wants to go through hell, yeah, you know, and so like every time hell is happening on the screen, you're like, oh no, get rid of this hell, this is hell, <laughs> enough hell, enough hell. Gosh, um, but I there's there's something about it, and and uh, I don't know. It, it must have been by design. I reckon these Hollywood filmmakers know what they're doing, uh, or maybe it was a you know one of those focus groups, and <laughs> one of the people in the focus groups knew what they were doing. Mm. Uh, but right at the start of the movie, um, and this even though I'd seen the trailer and I knew what was going to happen, this is what solidified the movie for me was when she goes for a job interview, she's newly separated, and the interviewer's got no time for her. Yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting to me that they do it in one scene, like at the end of that job interview, she has the job. Mm. Like, you expect it to be like three or four different cuts, and it's the guy right at the end that she breaks down and says, please, I've been all over town, you're the last contact in my book, I'm desperate. But, you know, they don't even go... They don't even need to do that. You, you just slip in, you know, she's she's a female, she's got a kid, she's not married, and that that actually enters into a job interview. You know what? That, that the prospective employer is like, well, not sure about this, you know? <laughs> um, and that, that's the era. Mm. But I remember my mum telling me stories, and, and this is like growing up. Not even in the fifties. I grew up later than that. In the did you in the sixties? You uh, grew up in the sixties. <laughs> no, you? that's not true. I'm making that up. Um, <laughs> glad, glad you clarified. <laughs> but uh, um, my mum told me the story about uh, getting carpet at, mm. at one stage in the house, mm. uh, in the in the family home, and the guy coming to you know do the carpet or whatever, and saying, uh, "When will your husband be home?" And my mum's saying, no, 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 you're dealing with me, you know. There was an agreement, you know, husband and wife. Oh, well, you'll take care of the carpet. Yes, I will. Thank you very much. Mm. So, the salesman came over and and she's saying, no, 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 you're dealing with me. And he's saying, no. Nah, come on, love. 
when, seriously, when is the husband going to be home? Because I'm not, I'm not dealing with you. Yeah, I'm dealing yeah. with the husband. Thank you very much. Yeah. So it, it was like this is, you know, recent, more recent than the fifties. Yeah. That, well, I think even today there's kind of an element of um, I've sort of been told stories about say like if uh, a woman takes her car to the mechanic. Yeah. And they'll they'll kind of just kind of sometimes like you know not to say all mechanics but like in certain trades they'll try and put one over on people that they think are a bit more probably if I turn up to the mechanic I'll be like hey uh, it's uh, not working what are they they would be like look like well look at me like it's okay doesn't have a clue. this kid doesn't have a clue how cars work. Yeah. We'll charge him fifty dollars for the discombobulator and a hundred bucks <laughs> for the flux capacitor, and I'll <laughs> and I'll be like, hang on a second, no, Wait. I don't know cars, but I know my Back to the Future references. Yeah. So uh, I think that's really interesting. The uh, yeah, the idea of um, uh, her her needing to well, it's the interesting thing of establishing herself as uh, establishing the character certainly in a film as a strong female character. With all these, you know, real world prejudices around her. Yeah. And then it does become this thing of she genuinely falls in love with Walter. And then it actually becomes a very convenient solution to get married. He goes, okay, well, I I am a strong woman and I can make it on my own. But I, but it became the, you know, saving my daughter. Yeah. It was, it was which is a sad state of affairs and... Hopefully not something you know that, but it was that thing of okay, it's not a, it's not it's not even a marriage of convenience. It's a it seems like a very <laughs> it's a very appropriate time. It's like oh okay, well I love you and I can get married, and I didn't feel too weird about that on screen because I think there could be like a version of that that you're like oh that's that's unfortunate you know being forced to marry this guy yeah just to save your kid, which is a m- big moral predicament. Yeah, oh absolutely. Um. I this to me like walking into it. What I thought I was going to be seeing is art, the movie. Yeah, and what it really became is females as strong as hell, the movie. <laughs> Have you been watching some Unbreakable? You, you uh, got it stuck Kimmy in my Schmitt. head. Yeah, the, the theme song to the Unbreakable yeah. Kimmy Schmidt. If you've, if dear listener, if you've not watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, if you're a fan of Thirty Rock mm-hmm. or even not. Uh, go and find, go find Netflix or like other whatever way you can find this movie, this television show rather that is uh, the legal way of watching this TV show. Wink. Uh, no, well, Netflix launches in Australia. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know, I I've been to the US recently, so that's <clears throat> hold out. Yeah, for Netflix. Um, so good. Anyway, uh, <laughs> not, you know, and the central message there. Yeah, females are strong as hell. Uh, they alive. It's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> Just YouTube that. Go yeah, just yeah. go YouTube the theme to Unbreakable Commission. You will have it in your head for the oh, rest of your life. My God, Unbreakable is that it, theme yeah, song? It is. It most certainly can't get is. out of my head. Um. So, uh, but, yeah. But what's brilliant about this story, and it's a real life story, but um, essentially they set it in in an in the, the art context mm. where it's kind of like the male and the female melts away. And and husband and wife are on an even keel. Yeah. In the sense of, if they were doing a movie about a wife that builds fences for a living and the husband took credit for it, you know what I mean? Like, that would be a different movie and it would probably be harder to, you know, a, you know, the guy that does nothing does not get sort of beefed up by building constant fences. Yeah. And, you know, oh, and have you met my wife? And she's got arms like tree trunks. <laughs> <laughs> and no one says, hang on, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that that you can set it in that kind of gender, gender t- out of it. 
but but it becomes a gender politics story about she's actually treated very terribly while she does eight hundred percent of the work. Yeah, which is so interesting to me. The the at the part of the movie when she starts doing not only her own paintings that are being classified as Walter's paintings, but she's like, I'm going to do some some mine now as well. Yeah. Like she creates a new style that's just for her. Even though her actual style is also her, yeah, she's like yeah. competing against herself. It's insane. I think it's. I think this is what for me the central. What I think is the really interesting question as you walk out of the cinema to think about, uh, and it's a delicate one. It's um, and I feel like the, I'm going to start to express this, and I feel like as I say it, a lot of people might be hearing it and start yelling at me. So let me finish oh, okay. before I'll, you start yelling. That's at all right. Me. I'll be the audience substitute. I'm right. here. Let's so see if I get offended. What I'm curious? No, well, no, 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 no. I've got open ears, Paul. Okay. Don't worry. Open ears and big eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got your fists up? No, that's it. Keep going. I've got an open heart. <laughs> okay. Um, so, what I think is really interesting is the exploration of... Um, well, okay, two things. First of all, the fact that, like, this relationship of, of he sells the paintings, pretends it's her, her, his own, um, all that sort of thing. He, he messed that up. Like, he... He didn't have to be... I don't know how much they had to infer from, you know, real-life events to figure out how that really went. Obviously, they create an arc where he becomes more and more selfish and pushes her more and more so that... He marginalises her more and more in the relationship. Two loving people could have... Could have probably survived that and never yeah. gotten, got to, gone to blows or... You know, gone to that. Re- it could have yeah, been. Yeah, no, that that is interesting that you say that because because yeah. I feel um, that you do have those things in relationships. Yeah, and they and you know whether it's luck or whether it's bad luck, good luck or bad luck. But when those things never reach fever pitch and you never come to blows about, right? It. Because there's there's there are so many points and the movie does really well at building this of just the moments where Walter cousin does something and Mark goes. Oh, is that... Sorry, are you doing that? I... Ugh, not so... And then she goes along with it. Yeah. Because what what choice does she have? Yeah. And there's just... There's a lot of those... Where it's just building up. Just something more, something more. And it's Walter slowly encroaching on her... On her... On her... On her pride. On her, like, sense of worth. All those sorts of things. And he could have... Walter, you you done gone fucked up. You yeah. messed up. Yeah, he, he, he pushed too far. If he... Yeah, if he'd kind of been like, Hey, my lovely wife, whom I love... Yeah. This is all you. You're amazing. Take a load off. Here's, you know. Especially give in the, her yeah. some credit. Especially in the creative, you know, sphere. Yeah. Where where someone if you've got someone hardworking and generous as a as a Margaret is. Mm. Let's talk about the character cuz you know, we haven't met the real life woman. Uh but uh, you know, you've got someone like Walter who and you know, to I don't know what the psychological reason for it is if He's telling himself, like, all this bull that he's selling. Yeah. If he is starting to buy into it purely so he doesn't feel guilty about it, you know, then suddenly it becomes more and more, you know, it it, it, does, it does become a hostile relationship. Yeah. I think that's... The, okay, so I haven't got to the point that was possibly going to be having okay. people yelling at me yet. No, that's good. You're in a safe I'm, space, I'm Paul. There. Yeah, you go but for no, it. Before I, say, before I get to it, yeah, <laughs> I'm putting yeah. it off a little bit. Is also the idea of, I think, the idea of lies and how much can you lie to the point where you actually believe 
you don't think you're lying anymore. I think that's a really interesting idea of sometimes we can lie. I mean, I'd like to think I don't do it myself. I probably do, though. Sometimes you lie to, you're lying to yourself. You forget that you... The fact that he has maintained uh, his whole life that he was the original painter. They say that at the end. Yes. And I think that's that's obviously a reflection on the real person, but obviously that feeds back into the story arc that we're given in the movie. The idea that maybe he does believe it in the end. Like, it's hard to tell because we're seeing... We're clearly seeing him as duplicitous and, and callous and cold. Uh, but maybe he... Maybe there's some element of he... What maybe he like if he if he was to sit down and look at himself in the mirror, he'd say no, I can't paint that. Maybe, but maybe there's part of it that he's just never done that, and so there's something in his brain blocking that. Going, yeah, I do, I've I've I never pick up a paintbrush, but I have painted the, all of those paintings. Yeah, I, who who's to say? Now, okay, I'm gonna get to the thing. Okay, here comes the thing. It's the exploration of would Margaret Keane, and in fact, I would even posit. Margaret Keane wouldn't have and would not be as famous or successful if this had not happened to her. Not to say that it should have. It's one of those interesting things where Mm. she went through a 10-year period of some horribleness and and, and horror and and (laughs) everything we see in that movie. But if that had never happened... It's hard. It's hard to say because several things happened at once. She she was a product of that environment, which was mm-hmm. extremely uh, male preferential. Yep. Um, and, and you can't you can't really sort of pin on that at what point this style came out of her and how much of that was the environment that she came out of. I mean, unless you were to sit down and ask her and psychoanalyze her and all that sort of thing. It, it is an interesting thought, though. Like, so if if she were just to have presented the paintings as hers at, at the start of all this and had the, you know, confidence to... to and being in an environment that would have allowed that kind of confidence, if yeah. you know what I mean, to say, okay, these are my paintings, what do you think? Um would and and they were you know people bought them in droves and loved them and and blah blah blah. Would we necessarily have heard of her today? Is that what you're? Yeah. The question that you're asking. That's the question. And it's the thing of could you pick any point in the movie or of Margaret Keane's story where you could go, okay, at that point she'd made it, or at that point. So like obviously there's the there's the there's that pivotal point the first time where uh, Walter lies. He, yeah. What I think is interesting in this is that he he didn't have a grand scheme. He didn't have a grand plan to go, you know what, I'm going to take these in. Because the thing is, from the trailer, bloody trailer, yep. uh, we know what's going to happen. We already know because it's a real life story. We already know he's going to take credit. Yeah. So the first time, I think it's when he takes it to Jason Schwartzman. And uh, isn't just, can I just say Jason Schwartzman? Amazing, as mm-hmm. always. Just he, he, I liked him to be in everything, please. Yeah. Um. The next Da Vinci Code movie. Is, ex- that-, <laughs> is and, that real? And I want it, that to happen. Okay, yeah. The, Done. The Jurassic Park. Are we too late for the next one, Jurassic World? But the one after that. Yeah, all right. Star Wars. Where are we at with that? Anyway, the point is, I should become Jason Schwartzman's agent. D- I'm- Darth Schwartzman. Darth Schwartzman. Oh, oh <laughs> I have to fan myself. That's oh. good. Put down your lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your is that your Schwartzman? No, no. What's <laughs> that's, that? What's that, was, that? that was just me uh, 
No, this is a thing I'm working on. I That's- am going to. <laughs> I'm going to go to the dark side. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and here are the midi-chloridians. And, uh, okay. So- I'm going to find you. And I'm going to kill you. I've just killed you. <laughs> ah, Where- <laughs> I see that you have killed me. I see that. And... Oh, is what? that am I am I am I pulling off my waltz? All right, is that? Well, that takes care of everything here, then. Said that- said my terrible uh-huh. Jason mm-hmm. Schwartz. Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, and we're done. And we're done. What and see, see. <laughs> oh god, oh god. Um, so where were we? So no, that's the thing is that I totally expected it to be like the cunning plan, the master plan by Walter, uh, to be uh, like, oh, I'll take these and I'll pretend they're mine. Yeah. But the first time, he's at that crossroads showing it to Jason Schwartzman character. He doesn't do that. He's not He's not setting out from the start. Now, I'm not... I am... God, for any one second, if someone thinks I'm a Walter Keane apologist, I am not. No. I am not. Yeah. I actually just went to his Wikipedia. This is my most favourite start of a Wikipedia entry ever. Walter Stanley Keane was an American plagiarist. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a way to be remembered. Isn't that not incredible? That is very... Well, that that's what happens if you're a that, plagiarist. That's why he's famous. That's why you're famous. He never painted anything. Yeah. I think it's incredible, because not only did he... I think the un, the undoing of Walter Keane is kind of amazing, because it's not just that he took credit. That's what's amazing about it. It's almost like a... It's like he's been catfishing her or something. Yeah. I don't know. Can I? Can I oh pre- yeah. Like he's not only he's not only just taking credit for that. He's it's all a lie. You, you, all of it. You have you've hit something here. You've yeah. hit something which is um, your point that this is not necessarily a negative thing, but for the character flaw in Walter Keane where he drives it too far. Right. Where if they and and at one point he says when they're married, you are keen. I am keen. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like if the money is coming in for both of them anyway, and it's kind of like he is the, you know, the agent, if yeah. you will, and she's the artist. Like, there, there is a little bit to which you can lie and, and, and you know, that that's up to you. That's in, in your own relationship. Yeah. But the second, you know... Uh, he's, it, it, it's, it's interesting to me, the, the character flaw... At what point he pushes too far? Yeah, yeah. the The other aspect of it that I find very interesting is um, at at the point where they stop selling the paintings that are very expensive and start selling the prints, like the poster prints. Yeah, yeah. Which is just like chuck it in a color photo, you know, color. What is it? Photocopier. And and whatever that the equivalent of that a, was a back three D printer. I, sorry, I'm a I'm a child of the future. I don't yeah. I don't know what came before three D. Two D, I guess. I guess. I don't know. You mean that you have to use your hands? That's like a baby's toy. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was that now? This is bad. I'm a bad art student because I'm not an art student. Before. <laughs> I- <laughs> Before someone's gonna- Why won't you show up to any of the classes, Paul? <laughs> Before or after Andy Warhol? I well during the same time I get the feeling. Right, okay. Because yeah. he obviously did a lot of that was a lot of, I say obviously. I don't know. But I'm gonna say like a lot of screen printing and stuff. So that's obviously that kind of trend of mass producing stuff. And there yeah. is a moment well, I don't know if it's on purpose. There's just a moment that was very striking to me when I think it was almost 
I could be wrong about this, but it was like, it was just the moment when they decided to do lots of mass-produced prints, and then I swear to God, it cuts to Margaret, and she's walking past the Campbell's soup in the yeah, supermarket. Yeah, and that's on purpose. Oh, it's yes! Nice. There you go. There you go. Win. Look at that. You've done very well. We did well. Both of us. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, you got there. I mean, but it's, I... a, it's, a, it's subtle-ish, right? It's not- Yeah, oh yeah, it's not in it's your not face. It's not like she's throwing Campbell's soup in your face. No, that's yeah. true. Um, what's interesting to me is if you take uh, Walter out of it for a second, mm. let's just assume it's just Margaret King doing her paintings and that's it. Yeah. And that the Terence Stamp character is not necessarily- He is a, a an art, art critic- He's saying, oh, these, these paintings are terrible. I don't like them. They're soulless. They're empty. But he's not doing it because he doesn't like Walter. He All he's basing it on is the paintings themselves, Yeah, which is very interesting to me. And uh, I, I kind of thought in the end, maybe there'd be some kind of riff on that or twist on that where it turns out that it's Margaret the whole time and he's all like, oh, well, now I like them or, or, or yeah. something like that. But with, there was never really any sort of punchline to that, you know, B-plot. I think the closest it came to was when he was attacking the prince at that, it was like that that party or whatever. Yeah. And then it, it, you, sh- it's, you see Margaret reacting to her art being attacked so, so ferociously. I think that's kind of the closest they probably get to that, I would say. But as well, how passionate um, Walter takes the criticism. Yeah. Where he has nothing to do with the creative. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. He has just inhabited that. Because it's over yeah. a space of 10 years, mind. Oh, yeah, this is... So yeah. By the, but that's the thing, is that if you live a life for long enough, that's what I think is... Uh, um, that's what, what I like, really like about this film, is that it's it's not just a biopic of, here's what happened, blah, 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 story, 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 now everyone's dead. Um, <laughs> which, which is most biopics. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's this really interesting character study. It's more yeah. more than anything. It's a, it's a character study of who are these people and what what happens when you live a life for ten years when you have to like it's the fact that not even the daughter we haven't even talked about the daughter yeah. they have to keep this life from the daughter which to me is like uh, that's one of the questions I had of like surely the daughter can know you know yeah what, what- it's like because I guess she's a she's kind of a toddler at start and they're worried about her blabbing. I don't know how how likely is it that a toddler mm. will be like, oh, it's mummy's paintings, and then it'll be like, oh, she's she's, and then people will start putting two and two. I don't know. I guess they were very very careful. Yeah, because that was the interesting thing. Because even not even the um, the Kristen Ritter character was a close friend, like no close friends, confidants, or children for that matter. They kept that secret locked down. Oh yeah, and I guess they had to. Yeah, they yeah, and in the end, they're undoing was Margaret. It wasn't anyone else, because I imagine, had you had anyone else in that inner circle, I think they would have broken it, right? But also, mm. it would have led to, you would have had someone else up on that stand to uh, to say, yeah, no, Margaret, Margaret did this. Yeah, well, exactly right. I, I feel like there's something there, and I don't know what it is, of, you know, to a certain extent, these paintings came out of this terrible, terrible environment. And 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 in every sort of creative enterprise, there's good and there's bad, and that to me is is the you know the art. Uh, we're not going to sell the art anymore. We're going to sell the prints now. Of like, and 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 Terence Stamp com- is coming in and saying it's cheap, it's tawdry. I don't. And but at the same time, that's what people want. That's what people are yeah. buying. Yeah. And, and and it's so interesting to me of like how you balance 
you know, what has worth in the creative enterprise and, and what is kind of like the, the tawdry PR sleazy Christoph Waltz side of it. But, yeah. but they exist side by side. I think that's, it's a curious debate that probably still goes on today because you've got your, your, you know, two and a half men's and your Big Bang theories, which arguably yeah. not a whole lot of art to it. They yeah. are somewhat mass-produced. Well, well yeah, there, there is an art to it, but it is an art. It's the art of just churning out yeah. uh, the show that is m- hugely popular every year. That's what I, my brain goes to as a modern example of churning out something that's incredibly popular, but it's it's a template. There's a, there are still hundreds of thousands of man-hours that go into making them, but it's arguably not really art versus yeah. something that's maybe like a, I don't know, let's say like a, Curb Your Enthusiasm, something on HBO maybe. It's a mm-hmm. bit more thought and care put into the comedy and the writing and something like that, which you might get close to in terms of TV, talking about what's something that's art. And I think that's interesting, even back in the 50s, and perhaps that is the emergence of it, of uh, with Andy Warhol and, 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 and Keen. Um, I am Keen. You, you are Keen. Keen. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, is that maybe that's that starting of that debate? I'm sure it, well, it's probably been a debate that's been going on for hundreds of years. Is is what is popular? Can that be art? Can art be popular? And what defines what is good art? Is it the fact that people like it, or is it the fact that some self-appointed or otherwise appointed, you know, doyen of the industry? I don't know if doyen's the right word. D- has decided that it's good. And I think that was interesting, having those those gatekeepers, as it were. Yeah. That were like, this is good art, this is bad art. And then once it got out to the masses, it was like, well, it doesn't matter what you think. Yeah. Because pe- people going to buy it because they like it. I really like the ending of this movie, uh, even though you see it in the trailer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because because what it is, is they both both Margaret and Walter have written their own story. In the sense of, it ends with you know that Margaret is the artist, and that is the truth coming out of Margaret. Mm. And it ends with Walter not saying that he isn't the artist. Yeah, yeah. Which is his own personal story, you know what I mean? And we've yeah. seen on his Wikipedia, he's a bloody plagiarist. But yeah. he, he, in other words, he gets to tell his own story. He doesn't feel particularly like coming clean. So that's what his story is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting, the idea that if you did live a life for 10 years, you would believe it so much that you would almost, like, what would your life be if you if he did come clean? He would, he would probably not... That I imagine maybe that would be harder to live with. And and what was interesting to me about... Because you think to yourself, how the hell is he going to get... He's confronted with the reality of it in the court case. And there's no... It's like rock a hard place. I can't imagine how this is going to, you know... This is going to come out of him, like wh- how his character is going to react. And then when he simply says, you know, he's not going to paint. It's so interesting because you're like, in a sense, you're almost like, oh, he's kind of beaten this. Like, I was disappointed. I was like, oh, he has weaseled his way out. Yeah, yeah. J- j- it, only in the sense that you can never prove that he didn't. We all know that he didn't. Yeah. At the character, at least. I- I'm pretty sure the real life person. Probably didn't as well, <laughs> but um, reasonably sure. Yeah. Reasonably sure, but yeah. it's so interesting to me. You never see him paint on screen. Mm. Mm. It's um, yeah. I was well. I I was thinking it's uh, it's sort of we we made reference to it. Was it last two weeks ago? We talked about focus, and I don't want to give away any plot points of focus. But we did talk about how there's a certain story 
that's told through there's kind of a reveal to do with the way that we are cinematically presented with the story. Yeah. That's, that's as far as I want to go in terms of not giving away a plot point for focus. We're very cinematically literate. Yeah. And yeah. so, again, with this one, I think that it's about the selective way in which the whole story is... And you kind of go along with it, and it's, it's inferred, or at least... Yeah, I guess it kind of is, that there is painting, and then you realise... Yeah. There never is. There's no painting. Because I think it isn't even the very first scene that we see, that we meet Walter. He's in theory painting, but I guess he's really just touching up, you know, I don't know. Does he have a paintbrush even in his hand? I'm not sure. But it's yeah. kind of, again, it's inferred that he is out there painting just like Margaret is. Uh, and then, no, not at all. She drops the coffee cup and the brand of porcelain is he never touched a single canvas with a pa- with a wet paintbrush. TM. <laughs> is that I don't That's yeah. a that's a that's a reference to another spoilerific ending. All oh, right. I don't I'm not going to tell you which movie because that's a spoiler. <laughs> the spoiler is the movie. The yeah. co- the coffee cup that I'm drinking suddenly falls to the floor and smashes and down the bottom of the coffee cup is the usual suspects is the name of the movie. Right. That okay. that's the brand <laughs> okay. of porcelain. Yeah, I yeah. see what you mean now. Yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I yeah, I think really curious film. I think, uh, oh, can I just also just give a uh, mention to Christoph Waltz uh, in the courtroom doing the the uh, choreography? No need for choreography, uh, Walter Keane. Oh, uh, yeah. How oh, good yeah. was the judge and just like, <laughs> just yep. none of your bullshit. Every time something like that would happen, and, and I, there were two that I can think of, and the first is... When Christoph was on the phone saying, send me, you know, paintings and we're done. Mm. And me, in my head, I'm thinking, for the love of God, don't send him paintings, you know, yeah. Margaret. You are better than this. You can't send. But when the paintings come and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. And he pulls them out and they're signed by her. And I'm like, that is fantastic. And then as he's doing the dance in the courtroom is the second time. And I'm like, no self-respecting judge would let this happen. Yeah. And the judge says, uh, excuse me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, thank you. Thank I you. love the mistrial. No, not mistrial. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Actually, can I just raise this point? And uh, you might be able to give some clarification of this or some uh, some insight. Now, Christoph Waltz, German, right? Yep. He's not. He's German. Uh, <laughs> you want to look that up? <laughs> Pretty sure he's German, right? Uh, now, there is that whole, like, the inspiration issue. And it's like the Auschwitz... Right, there's sort of there's a there's the connotations of the 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 children from from Germany, right, during the war. Is it is this for big guys? Are yeah, we yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Is oh, okay. The the, the waifs in the actual artwork. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now is that I did I, I I feel like maybe I glossed over that a bit, but that was the idea of he was trying to find a justification. And it seemed like it was the children in the war, maybe not specifically Auschwitz, but uh, am I right in thinking that's kind of where they were going with it? Um, yeah, I didn't even process that. I, I know this sounds ridiculous because it was a period film set in the fifties, but I was, I was dreaming of, because they were talking about UNICEF mm. and I, so I was thinking of something much more modern to do with UNICEF, but, uh, but you, you might be cottoning onto something I right. haven't even processed. So, okay. I, I, yeah, this is why I asked. He, Christoph Waltz was born in Austria. I was thinking of, I'm like, how many, how many, how many Austrians do we mistake for German? You know, um, oh, Paul, he's Austrian. Yeah, he's Austrian. Vienna, Austria. 
<laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to figure out, yeah. and I don't know the answer to this, and I don't know if we can figure this out, is they, they do tell this story about the, oh, he needs, Walter needs a reason for why he's drawing these. Now, I don't know what the terminology, a waif, is that, that's just the, yeah, that the was children. The, yeah, the style. Right. Um, and they, they tell this whole sort of uh, kids during the war story. That that's kind of woven in there, right? Yeah. Now I've just looked. Walter Keane, born in America, he's an American. Yep. So I wonder. I don't know how much of that is written into the movie. Have gone. Okay, Christoph Waltz is you know German Austrian, lived in Europe during the war. At least you know if there's you know you see what I'm doing here. I I see where you're is going. We've yeah. gone. We've got Christoph Waltz playing the role. Therefore, let's just say that he came from Germany. Well, because I I. I the way my reaction to that scene is knowing that the story is fake anyway, right. and that it's the satire of oh I need a good story I need a good story are uh, there war children that oh that sounds juicy you know what I mean yeah okay so I I wasn't even beginning to think about the reality of because I, I in my head I was still trying to figure out if he his story that he'd already told about his own life to Margaret right. if that was even true. Yeah, and as it turns out, it's not. Yeah, it's uh, entirely a lie. Anyway, so I, yeah, I um, I haven't quite figured that out, and it's a bit confusing. Uh, but yeah, that's just something to think about. I I feel like I'm probably putting out questions there that maybe there are answers to, and I've maybe misconstrued it. But uh, that's the nature it, of movie autopsy. It's, yeah, it's as yeah. we've seen the film. You, you are allowed to, you know. Say, well, the, the, yeah, you are allowed to get the wrong impression because it's an interesting wrong impression to get. Like, it's, yeah. it's to me, it adds a kind of reality to the character mm. because it's almost like he's searching for things and and you get into the reality of this is a Christoph Waltz character as right. opposed to an American real-life man. Yeah. But he's searching for things that you would believe about him. Yeah. If you know yeah. what I mean. So, he's like... If I had to invent a story for me, <laughs> I'd, I'd be in the war. <laughs> like, so maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that maybe that's their way of explaining why Christoph Waltz is betraying an American. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I thought that was worth, uh, worth mentioning. But, uh, yeah, well, I think that's, that's everything for me. Oh, about, every- oh yeah. I yeah I I there was something about this movie where the story I already knew the story before I walked into it but there was something flavorful mm. that I got and it was very um it's very feminist mm. in a way that it hasn't really told movies haven't really told the female story before mm. in a in to such a degree that this movie had, yeah. you know, successfully did. I like that it was. I like that it's the story of. It's basically like, uh, obviously, she's already walked out on, or you know, the other marriage has fallen apart. So she's already a divorced woman. Yeah, we, we talked about it at the start. Obviously, the fate, the troubles she faces there. Which I, at first I thought was a flash forward. Right. I know yeah. that was that was interesting because to just cut in on that and we don't even meet the guy is kind of. I really like that. Going, it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Which is beautiful. It's. Um, I really like that. And then it goes, okay, she's she's going to try and make it on her own. She falls in love with this guy. Whether that... And, oh, God, that's a whole other question of how much she, he's 
Who's to say? I think that's a genuine. I think it starts from a genuine place. I'm going to go out and say yeah, that. Yeah, I I do too, and I think yeah. it it adds to the movie that it does start from a yeah, genuine place. Yeah, because I don't think he sets out to be like this is the next big movement in. Like he's how do, how would he know that? You're weary of that because you've seen the trailer, right? But, but it, it is. It's the um, twist and expectations of this is actually a decent guy, right? Especially because he we know now that he is a hack. He doesn't know anything about art. Yeah. So how could he have known that anyway? So that's the thing of then she is led down this path and it's kind of that illustration of how people get into shitty relationships because it starts out from somewhere genuine. Yeah, yeah. So many people end up in terrible from either it's a, or the male or the female side of things or whatever from, you know, abusive relationships or, or toxic relationships, whatever it is. So many of them, it's, it's like it's because they start from somewhere genuine and where at some point the two people actually loved each other. And then it's it's... We're told that relationships, society tells us relationship is about sacrifice. And so yeah. we sacrifice yes. and we sacrifice and we sacrifice to the point where Margaret's trying to be strong. She's trying to do the right thing by her kid, by her art, by everything. And then it goes, she goes, no, and, and enough as, is enough. As well, in story, it's like, what, what is she getting for all her trouble? She's getting lots and lots of money to, to the point where you'd say, oh, well, don't complain, Margaret. Yeah. But- She's not after money, and that's that's what's great about this, is that the more she gets punished, the more she will say, no, it's just me being silly. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, that's, it, it, it really is a fantastic struggle, because you believe that this woman would put off, you know, the, the breakdown, if you, if you will. Yeah. You believe that she would go along with it for as long as she did, because you say, well, she's being strong, A, for her daughter, and B... She recognises that they're a family unit together and all these sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's our movie autopsy for Big Eyes, directed by Tim Burton. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, podcast apps on your smartphone. People can tweet at us. We've got a Twitter. Oh, wow. We're at Movie Autopsy. Um, if you've got movies you want us to cover, tweet at us. Yeah. We uh, we did Wormwood last week and uh, what was exciting, well, a lot of the cast from Wormwood were like retweeting us and stuff. We were we- like, oh, hello. They are, and they're fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) When we saw them retweeting, we were like, I hope we got their names right. (laughs) And at one point, I did get a name wrong. And and the the guy was lovely about it. (laughs) No, I I see where you got confused, and he pointed out who was who. (laughs) It was fantastic. What was his his name, Anthony? Well, because it was... (laughs) This is Venta. We um we were talking about there was Frank and there was Neville. Yeah. And I called ne- ne- Frank Neville, but it turned out that there was a Neville. I didn't just invent Neville. Yeah. Neville was in the freezer. Yeah. If you've seen, it would, spoiler exactly. for go back and listen to Wormwood. Yep. Uh, if you ha- watch Wormwood, if you back. haven't seen it, it's a fantastic movie for uh to to watch a b to teach you how to make a movie. Yeah. You will, you, that's how. You will watch it with some big eyes. Will you ever? <laughs> that's the show for today. I'll see you next time. <laughs>